Welcome back. Please don't fire me. Episode 43. We just looked at this. I don't know why I can't As remember. As if you forgot already. I know. Well, you know what? Man. Now, now just stop, okay, youngster? Oh, I know. Right? I know. My time's coming. Yeah. One of these days. One of these days you're not going to remember, you know, which, uh, I don't know. What you walk gonna... into a room and you're like, what am I doing here again? No, you walk into a room and your glasses are on top of your head and you can't find them. You did That's... that the other day. I know. I had you came pair. into my office wearing glasses <laughs> on your eyes and yeah. one on your head. Yeah. I have no idea what that was about. but well, You get old, you have several pairs of glasses, too. There's yeah. glasses for different things. Oh, that's true. So, anyway, I don't know. So, what's new? Anything happening in uh, the world? I don't know. Just trying to figure out how to get the kids to succeed in school. It's been oh. a, it's been a weird change, weird challenge. We got one kid at school. We got one kid only at school half the time and home half the time at the moment. So there's kind of a hybrid m- learning model going on. Some computer, some in person. It's ugh. they yeah they keep changing the rules of engagement. Yeah, and, and <laughs> they're giving parents some flexibility, which we've been taking advantage of. But mm-hmm. but it's been a challenge. Yeah, but. When, you know, I don't know. I, I just remember back in the day the the best thing to do, like we homeschooled our kids for quite a while before up until high school. And the best thing to do was to um, keep things consistent as often right. as you could. Just make the routine the same. And man, when you when one day you're sending them to school and then they do that for a few weeks and then they have something else. They're at home on a the computer. There is no routine. Yeah. Our routine is gone yeah. as a family. I don't even know what day of the week it is half the time. Well, so now you have my problem. There you go. I don't know what episode it is. Episode 43. Yes, we're on 43 now. And we're going to talk about God being in control. Yeah. Uh, I, the reason I say it that way is because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. And we were talking about, kind of lamenting. How you'll talk to people because I I do I I um I'm concerned about the things that are happening in our world and also you know some of these different things like how school goes or you know it affects our lives every day it seems like and so uh, we were kind of going back and forth uh, both of us pretty much on the same page having on your all little these issues. Your little vent session yeah yeah I guess nice. that's what it was a little rant session going on and. You know, and and then we both talked about how frustrating it is when you talk to somebody. You run into Christians all the time, and because uh, both of our circles are basically brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love them, but boy, sometimes it gets annoying when you're frustrated with things that the government's doing or things that you know the the lockdowns causing or difficulties or work. Uh, situations, all this stuff, and you're a little frustrated. You vent a little that frustration to them, and they go, "God's in control." Oh, I see. And you're just like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Why didn't why, I think of that? Why didn't I oh, think of that? Right? I see. So that was our conversation, and and I I must admit that you know, in fact, I told them, I said, "Well, we're going to do a podcast on that very thing." Nice. Um. So that's what we're doing today. We're yeah. going to talk about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And in the midst of everything that we're going through, it can be, it can sound, it can sound cliche. Sure. I guess is what I, what I would say. It, it can sound very cliche to just say, "Well, God's in control." Mm-hmm. And yet, the fact is, is that if He's not, then we really got problems. Yeah. So, uh, it's good to remind ourselves. I think of how much God is in control. Right. That these things are, like, he's not surprised by the things that are happening in our world. Mm-hmm. He's not surprised by the political, he's not surprised by the racist, the racism up unrest and things like that happening. He's he's not surprised by um, the way the way we're dealing with the pandemic, uh, whether you're, you're for it or against it, it, mm-hmm. it really, all, and that's a, that's a great thing about it, doesn't matter which side you land on this thing god's still in control this is still a truth for you yeah it is and it is you're right it is more than a cliche it is more we sometimes use it 
pretty flippantly, you know, and we, we float it out there. And like you're right, sometimes it can be annoying, you know, where you're like, that's really not what I was looking for. You know, I, yeah. I really just wanted you to to complain with me for a yeah, while. Yeah, can't like, you commiserate a little yeah, bit, you know? Like, come on, this is Come supposed on. to make us feel better. Come on, like like you're just sitting there over in, in your little nirvana, right. just enjoying life right now. Yeah. I mean, we all know that we're struggling. But there is a definite way in which this theological truth has everyday implications. Right. And it, and it does. I mean, our theology needs to be more than something that exists in the theoretical realm. It needs to be something that changes the way we live our day-to-day lives. I was just thinking the other day, I can't remember what I was even doing, but I just, I have been realizing over the last several weeks, I'm clenching my teeth when mm. I'm just like doing something during the day. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what am I doing? It just all of a sudden dawns on me. I got this grip, you know, in my mouth and I'm like clearly just carrying around stress. That's what it is. You know, I'm just something's getting under well, my skin Chris, kind of Christy thing. Christy and I call that COVID crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm long past COVID yeah. crazy now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what category it's kind of kind of too much lockdown. <laughs> yeah, too much time to think. It's yeah. just not good, you know. And <laughs> no. I'm I'm constantly frustrated with the while well, the situation at school as I mentioned, the situation with ministry is all messed up. Your regular social life, your routines, everything is just upside down. So what I can tell all of our listeners is that uh, you know, you came here hoping to find all these answers. Basically, uh, your please don't fire me program staff is just as frustrated as you are sometimes. Always. And we don't always deal with it. I don't always deal with it, I would say, anyway. And you're saying the same thing. Uh, we don't always deal with it the right way. Oh, <laughs> That's but, not my go-to. Oh, of course not. No, I, you, you're preaching to yourself right. when you do these things. Yeah, it's not a for message sure. for you, but not for me. Mm-hmm. This is for me as much as it is for anybody else. But I would also add to it that we end up with, man, we have uh, Christians. Christians tend to to be cliche, and we speak Christianese. And one of those phrases can be, "God's in control." Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to say it, you better know it. You better have conviction about it, not just you know this to be true. But, you know, and, and the way you show that is sometimes just don't say it in a cliche way. Mm. You know, sometimes maybe you should explain that to people instead of uh, just trying to, you know, and um, honestly, people might say that like some of you might be out there and you're listening to this and you're saying nobody ever says that to me. And that's because you don't complain. You're wonderful people that are just uh, perfectly happy with whatever happens each day. And that could be because you keep this in mind all the yeah, time. Maybe. God is in control. and I, so Everybody's anyway. circumstance is a little different. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I, I, I had suggested this topic to you the other day when we were discussing what our topic was going to be for the podcast, this truth for me hits home. The reason it hits home for me is I grew up in a theological tradition within Christianity that did not place a very high value on the sovereignty of God. Some people don't know that. Not all Christians believe the same things as it pertains to God's control over all things. Uh, there are some uh, you know, wings, let's say, some branches of Christianity that really emphasize the free will of man, which is still a scriptural concept. Well, I don't want to get into that too far. Right. But I grew up in a tradition that emphasized the free will of man and didn't talk a lot about the sovereign power and control of God. And so when I began to uh, read scripture for myself, study scripture for myself, and saw that one of the major themes in the Bible is God's control over all things. And I began to have that change my basically my theological perspective, it made a significant impact on my life. This wasn't just like a, well, I've changed positions over the years, but it didn't actually do anything. No, this actually has affected how I've handled very serious, you know, situations in my life, Mm -hmm. circumstances that I faced that I don't think I could have got through without, I, I consider the sovereignty of God like an anchor that you drop from the ship and it holds you when the storm is going crazy. 
uh, you don't end up drifting away out into sea and getting lost. It is a very, it is a, it is a theological doctrine, but it has everyday implications. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to kind of meditating on scripture here today, uh, during this podcast, yeah. which is primarily what we're going to do, uh, just to remind ourselves of these truths and let them hit home and sink into our hearts. Yeah, I would say, I would say that my journey with this subject is a little bit different. I grew up in a tradition that didn't uh, didn't de-emphasize or didn't, you know, I, I, I feel like it was pretty balanced when it came to the sovereignty of God, but I didn't really think about it or it didn't have any implications on my life. But then, and you find this as people get older and they live more life, and especially the longer you walk with Christ, um, you tend to gain that perspective, the perspective that if God isn't in control, I, I, this can't even, you know, I can't, I can't sustain this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough and, and I'm not wise enough and I don't have enough influence to have any kind of impact on the world that, that it needs to have on it. And so the older I've gotten, the more precious this subject has mm, become good word yes. you know it's uh it, it's taken on meaning that it, it just gets deeper and deeper my understanding of it so anyway having said that uh we kind of have broken it down into i guess we have six passages of scripture that we're going to look at because well that's another problem when it comes to the sovereignty of god and it's not really a problem, but like you already mentioned, it's all through the Bible. Right. It's it permeates everything, and that's that's what's amazing about it. That's a part of what I was saying is that, man, it becomes more rich and more full all the time because whenever you open the Scripture, you just see once again God's hand in every situation and how He has brought people through it, how He's used those circumstances, whatever, and. Uh, you know, glorified himself, and uh, anyway, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, as so we go through. so we could have chosen a hundred scripture verses exactly, and we chose six. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. just so you know, this is a yeah. subject. You know, if it's not something that you're super familiar with, or even if you are, I would encourage you to take time to study mm-hmm. some of this on your own, mm-hmm. and you know, just go down that rabbit hole. That's a worthwhile rabbit hole to go down. It really in is personal Bible study because mm-hmm. I tell you the. When you see it repeated over and over and over and over and over from all these different circumstances across hundreds and thousands of years in mm-hmm. Scripture, I mean, it really changes your perspective on the power and the character of God and what that means for you personally in your life. Yeah. So this is just a glimpse. Right? A glimpse. We're just yep. we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg. Um, but we hope that it's really beneficial. Yeah. So... Uh, which one do you want to start with? Isaiah. Yes. That's the first one. That's a good one. So uh, I guess I'll read it. This is uh, mm-hmm. from Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. So that's Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. And we, we let off with this one because this establishes from the word of, from the mouth of God himself, his sovereignty just as a general thing. This is not specific to any particular kind of circumstance or anything like that. This is God just saying, listen, I know the end from the beginning. There is no one like me. There was no one who can do what I do. No one who can see what I see. From ancient times to present day, I see it all. And whatever my purpose is, is going to stand. So, I mean, it's just like the statement from God, as in from the beginning of time to the end of time, whatever I'm trying to accomplish, it will happen, Mm -hmm. which is just this really bedrock statement from God establishing his divine power over all things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite profound really when you think about it well yeah i don't he in uh it's twice in that passage of scripture um 
For I am God. There's no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Mm. And I so what jumps out at me is is that statement I am because that's what God used with Moses. And when he met Moses at the burning bush, um, you know that the, the, here's Moses and he's being called out to do something. He doesn't even realize at that point how huge it is. Right. Um, but I, he's being called to go and to get God's people and to bring them out of Egypt. And God reassures him. God opens his, his opening statement is I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that foundational principle that, um, he supersedes everything from beginning to end is something that he, he, he can say that to us. He can say that to you. He can say that in any situation or circumstance that you're in. He is God Mm -hmm. and there is none other like him. Um, when we, so, so when we get, cause what happens is we get upset. Like we get upset with the government, what they're doing with COVID. Some of us don't, some of us love it. I guess. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if anybody loves being, uh, you know, staying at home and, and all that stuff. But, but basically, you know, we get, we're basically given a whole bunch, a whole set of rules, things that we have to abide by, things that we have to do. And, um, it frustrates us and we share that frustration with each other. And, you know, the whole, what I'm reminded of is that, when I'm complaining about these things, it's because I would like them changed. And I have to remember that I, I want them changed because they're not good for me or or I don't see how they're good for other people or whatever. And I need to remember that God, there's no one like him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in the midst of this too. It doesn't matter. Like what I can or can't change doesn't matter because he knows what's going on. He's the bedrock. He's the foundation of it all. Uh, you know, I shouldn't worry about it, but that's what we do. The reason that we get, you know, maybe uh, I'm I'm just thinking along the lines of getting embroiled in a in a in a, a conversation with somebody, and they're on the other side of it, and you're fighting. What are you fighting for? Like when you have I am on your side, why are you fighting? The only reason you fight is because you're insecure about the situation you're in, and either you think that somehow this argument's going to change it, or you can change somebody's mind, and if you change enough minds, then maybe it'll turn out the way that you'd like it to instead of the way that it is. All those things, if you can just believe this, that there is no other like him. He's in the middle of it all. It takes away the responsibility, the burden of responsibility right. of having to be the one to fix something, to make sure it ends the way it's supposed to, uh, to change somebody's mind, to change their behaviors. We bear these burdens that the responsibility is in us to do that. Right. And, exactly. And the sovereignty of God actually takes away that burden. Mm-hmm. Now, God can still use us to create changes that he desires to see. But the responsibility for it does not lay on us. It really lays on God. He Mm -hmm. is God, not us. I mean, that's the other half of the equation, right? When he says, I am God Mm -hmm. and there is no other. Part of that is he's not just comparing himself to other gods, (laughs) which that's part of it. Yeah, he's also saying, you're not God, you know, you feeble human. Mm -hmm. And the way he distinguishes his difference, because he said, I am God and there is none like me. And you, you might say, well... How is that so? His answer is the next verse. Declaring the end from the beginning mm-hmm. and from ancient times, things not yet done. So in other words, God is saying, you don't know how this is going to go. You don't know how this is going to work out. You don't know where all this is going. You don't understand the future. You can't look into your little crystal ball and say, the circumstances I'm facing right now are going to end in calamity because you're not God. But guess what? I am. And I have declared the end mm. from the beginning. I knew what would happen from what will is from what is happening. The timeless 
nature of God. However you try to conceive, you know, the fact that God somehow exists outside of time. I don't even know how to describe it. But he is sovereign over these things. Mm -hmm. He has declared the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that is his distinguishing mark by saying, that's what makes me not like everybody else. You guys are all experiencing life as it happens. And you can't see what's coming around the corner or where things are going. But I can. And therefore, when you put your faith in the Lord, it's it might be blind faith to you, but it's not blind for him. You know what I mean? You may not be able to see what's coming down the road or what God might be doing with something that seems like a circumstance that you'd rather change or that you'd rather not be in the middle of. But he sees where it's going. And because he knows where it's going, uh, you can trust him. I mean, that, that, that alleviation of burden is just, it's really something to be enjoyed mm-hmm. as a believer. That's something to grab hold of, mm-hmm. that our God knows the future. He sees it. He knows. And he's in control of it. Well, it, and it would help us get along with each other uh, a lot better because no longer is it my job to solve this problem or to convince you that the problem needs to be solved or whatever it is. In fact, there's one place I can go and that's him. Mm -hmm. And he can have more of an impact. Like, again, I don't have to lobby my neighbor. I don't have to make sure that they are on board with it because that's what we've, you know, we've talked about that a little bit in recent podcasts as well. Uh, Just, how we're going to try and change this world through political means or might, we have God. Mm-hmm. And um, our politics, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's wrong for us to have an opinion about things, um, but we got to be careful with that because when that opinion begins to cause division, well, the reason we're dividing over it is because we, we feel hopeless about changing hearts and minds and he is the one that can do that he will accomplish all his purposes right so one of the ways that i mean you're introducing now the political realm which uh it's just exhausting isn't it it is i'm so tired of talking about it i'm so tired of thinking about it i'm so tired of seeing in the news no i'm not blaming you it actually transitions into our our next point because Mm -hmm. uh Politics has become one of the major, I guess you could say, religions of our day. Mm-hmm. If you're considering it in terms of where do people put their hope? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why exactly that has become even more and more important over the last, I don't know, several years anyways. It, it wasn't always like that. People always cared and put their hope in politics, but not to the degree, at least I don't think, that it has happened in recent years, it seems like they're the, the hope that people are putting in their political system has ramped up to an all time high. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's verifiably true. That's my anecdotal observation. Well, I can I, I agree with that. And um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I can tell you why it's happening. And one of the things that has happened more recently, or at least my perspective, because being on this earth a little bit longer you kind of watch these things happen, is that we have placed a higher and higher degree of uh, or, or weight upon the term democracy. Mm. And so democracy has made a shift where no longer is democracy uh, a situation where we are represented by those who are elected. Um, democracy has become crowdsourcing. And... And, and that's that's because of the internet and the electronic age. It, like, you can take a survey. A- anybody can take a survey. We can compile, you know, millions of pieces of data and, and then be able to, to ferret out which one wins and which one loses. Um, we poll everything. You know, politicians today poll forever. They don't decide anything based upon what they... I, I saw the other day where... Um, where the conservative party in Ontario 
was considering the lockdowns just before we our first lockdown right at Christmas or whatever. Right. And and one of the things that it said was it said that um, that one of the reasonings for locking everybody down was it was polling well. In other words, people were in favor of lockdowns. And I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I'm not. That's not what this is all about at all. All I'm saying is, is that democracy has given us this false sense that we are in control because our vote counts, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we've just doubled down on that. In fact, some people don't realize it, but the U.S. considers themselves a democracy when, in fact, they're a republic. Yeah, it's it's and, different, and it it is different. You're represented, and then your representatives vote for that democracy or or vote in a democratic way but but every person doesn't have a vote per se we don't you know some states do this they do referendums or whatever and they vote purely on whether we're going to have you know when are we going to legalize marijuana or things like that and and that feels very much like we're in control but we're not so if you diminish the control of god in a culture which is what we've done here is we we've really ostracize the idea of God at all. Uh, you know, we're becoming increasingly post-Christian, more secularized. So here's the thing. If God's not in control, that means we have to fix this. That means that it, the burden's on us to resolve all the issues that are going on in our culture. And mm-hmm. if that's your mentality, which it is for many people, almost by default, winning and losing elections and things of that nature become super important. Because right. that's that's your God. That's your only hope. That's, that's the only thing. It's to like fix it. obviously I'm not worried about God moving people's hearts or transforming a nation or how, any of those things. It's like no, no. We need to have the right policies in place, and therefore we need to put the right people in place. So when you lose an election, like you know the person that you wanted to win loses, people lose their minds. Yeah, and it's it's because. They feel completely helpless now. They feel completely like all of the control to fix the things that are in, they perceive wrong in their lives or in their country or whatever has now shifted to the enemy, mm-hmm. somebody who wants to do something else. Mm-hmm. And Scripture has a, a way of even speaking to that very issue. And Absolutely. So that was the next verse that we were going to read. Oh, I guess I'll read it again. Um, here's what it says in Daniel chapter two, verses 20 to 21. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes Kings and sets up Kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now the phrase I want to hone in on, hopefully you caught it was he removes Kings and he sets up Kings. So we think from a human perspective, we're the ones who did that. It's like we voted, the people have spoken, and now we have this person in power and this one is not. We think we remove kings and set up kings. We think we can impeach. We think we can vote. We think we can control who's in charge around here. And it says, actually, it's God. God is the one who removes a king and God is the one who sets up a king. And that is true. This is the key. Mm -hmm. Even when you think it was the wrong one. Mm-hmm. When you think, no, that's the wrong choice, people. What mm-hmm. are you guys doing? You put the wrong person in. God's like, no, that's who I chose. Right. You may think, yeah, but this person's they don't they don't align with your values, God. <laughs> you know, it's like God, haven't you read the Bible? Don't you know the things that you care about? And this person is against all those things. And God says, yep, I know what I'm doing. I'm removing a king and I'm putting a king in place. He's in control of that. That's really something profound when it comes to how we feel like the wrong person got in uh, or however you may want to frame it because uh, that's how people talk about this now. Yeah, I the reason I'm a little slow to answer, my mind is reeling with other thoughts because we always think of it in certain terms, but there's there's other things that happen in our world that are injustice things like that. So if you have an unjust king, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you have one, if, if you if, like, you know, um, if anyway, I, 
I don't really, I don't want to make this political. So I agree uh, wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And, uh, and, and I, I, I'm just thinking of an illustration of it. Like, like for instance, just the way that we lose our minds over the injustices, uh, the, the rioting that took place this summer over, uh, with black lives matter. And, and, you know, that, that was unjust. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. And, uh, yet it did. And it doesn't mean that God wanted it that way because he didn't create this world. Um, uh, with, you know, sin, that wasn't his idea. Um, that this is a product of us and this is what men do. And, but God still uses that. And we're going to look at that in a minute, but it's just, you know, it's amazing to me how upset and frustrated we get over these issues. When in reality, we know that that person that God put in charge that isn't doing enough or isn't or or is actually making things worse or those kinds of things that's still the person god chose right like i don't know we we gotta we we gotta go back to um to isaiah 46 Mm. i am god yes like if you got a problem that's where you take it up Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate authority right so the point like God may have put up a, a put a king in power, let's say, to use the language of this passage, that we think is making the wrong choices, doing ungodly things, and we feel therefore like there's something that's wrong. There's a mistake. Like maybe God dropped the ball on this one. Maybe, you know, he he didn't do what he was go- he was supposed to do. He's powerless to change it. None of that's true, right? God is the one uh, who. I mean, there are times in the Bible. The Old Testament is is a good place to reflect on these things because the people who gain power in the Old Testament are not always the most righteous ones, right? You would think, well, if God's really in control of setting up kings, he'd always pick the right people. Mm-hmm. He'd pick the one who's going to make the right choices all the time. And it turns out to be the exact opposite often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the the most wicked people who rise to power. And even in the midst of that, God is behind it and has a plan and a purpose. It's not that he's endorsing wickedness, but he knows what he's doing. He's God. Mm-hmm. He has his ways are higher than ours. You can't understand the mind of God. You can't fully understand what he may be doing in a given situation or circumstance, but you can trust he knows what he's doing and leave it at that. Like there's there's some freeing power there to know God did this. God is the one in control. This is not out of his, you know, out of his realm of oversight mm-hmm. and therefore I'll leave it in his hands. Mm-hmm. That's a freeing feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even understanding that, um, you know, he's, he's got a plan for that person. We might not under, you know, we, we're not, we're not always, well, here's another thing about democracy. What I had always learned is uh, that democracy came about because men had this idea that uh, that power corrupts people and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that the way that you determine whether somebody should be in charge or not or the way that God can use to set up a king uh, among a society is rather than them setting themselves up as a dictator or the mob rule where the people with the most loudest voice get to pick the leader and then that person stays the leader for however long they want, the way to do it is to ask God. And so if you go back to Old Testament times or even early New Testament times, you cast the lot, right? And, And God could speak through that. And so I don't know if I might be really upsetting pure purists of democracy and ideas like that, but you're casting a lot. I mean, even in democracy, you're casting a lot. It It's the will of the people. And God can use that. That's a, a mechanism he can use. And not only that, but the idea was is that God's spirit lives in each person. 
And so he moves them to vote the way they vote. Even when we get in conflicts with people, we got to recognize that they might be have a different opinion. And when you're in these political arguments to understand that, that uh, their opinion counts and matters and God uses that to set up the rulers of the day and the same is true of my opinion and my perspective. Yeah, but that's not true if the election gets stolen, right? I mean, if someone stole it, they stole it right under the nose of God, don't you think? Um, <laughs> you know what, brother? <laughs> you think you're funny, don't I you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that's... God in control of corrupted Absolutely. elections? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I agree. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I wasn't saying that it's a pure system. I'm teasing you. I'm just saying that's how it, that's how it started. That's how democracy started, yeah. was, the, was the intent that God was going to use this to speak. And, you know, we've corrupted it so much to think that, no, God's using my opinion. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I just anyway. thought it. So stir God, the pot. You just thought you'd stir the well, pot. Well, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Usually you're doing that to me. So I know. How's it feel, I know. Man? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I deserve that. So not only does God remove kings and set up kings. He can change them, too, as mm-hmm. in change th- who they are as a person. Yeah, he doesn't leave it there, does yeah. he? Yeah, so why don't you read Proverbs 21? Proverbs 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That's a fantastic verse. It's because now it doesn't it doesn't matter who you voted for or who you did, you know, how that all worked out. Uh, what matters is is that God is now going to take that person and he's going to use him to or her to accomplish his will, his purposes for this world. Right. And, and I don't, I, you know, it just shows you, you don't really understand everything that God's up to. And we shouldn't think that we do. Uh, again, we get pretty arrogant about it. Right. We got it figured out. We know how we got this, God. We got this. We we know how to solve the injustices of the world, and uh, you know, and and this is what would do it. And then when my person isn't in charge, then then what? You know, mm-hmm. we're we're like left unmoored. And the fact is, is that it doesn't matter if the right person got in there or the wrong person got in there. He's still in God's hands. Well, technically, if who, whoever got in there was the is right the person. right person exactly. from the perspective of God. That's yep. who he wanted to accomplish, whatever his purposes are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they bring great blessing, and sometimes they don't, just to be frank. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the Old Testament again, and God would sometimes chastise Israel by bringing in a foreign enemy to come and enslave them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, really? Yeah. That's how you're going to do this? You're going to... You're going to sanctify your people by bringing in a corrupt ruler who's going to destroy their country and take them away as slaves? Yes, I am, says God. <laughs> yep. His sovereignty is just it is beyond our ability to comprehend. Right. That's why it says, I am God and there is no other. You are not God. You think you know who the right person is. Yep. Guess what? You don't. I know who the right person is for what I'm trying to accomplish. And in this case, yeah, he whoever is in place, doesn't matter if you think, quote unquote, it's the right person or the wrong person. God will steer them where he wants them to go. Uh, that What a statement, right? It's a great uh, like word picture that the king's heart is like a stream of water in the hand of the yep. Lord. I see it like a garden hose. You just t- <laughs> turn it around like, all right, I need to spray a little more over here, spray a little more over there, whoop, whoop, wherever you want. It's just, yep. I'll turn them. So this king thinks, they think, and we think they've got this great autonomous power that they're going to make their edicts and their decrees and they're going to make decisions. And God's like, actually, I'm going to steer them wherever I want them to go. Mm-hmm. Even if those decisions seem wrong in mm-hmm. our eyes, God is still behind that. One of the things that, well, I don't know if we want to go down this road too far, but we've talked about it a lot recently, which is, kind of like the end times and how things will end up. Listen, that's part of God's plan for the world to go south and for all, uh, you know, chaos to ensue and for a satanic ruler to come into power. 
That's God's plan Mm -hmm. for that to happen. So God is obviously not always going to be choosing the people we think should be in power because he's got a different end goal. It's not the same that we think. We think we can fix these problems. We're just going to pick the right people and they're going to make the right choices that are going to be godly. And we're going to start to make our our nation Christian again or these right. kinds of things. And God's like, actually, I'm building a kingdom that's not of this world. Yep. That's my agenda. Yep. And I'm doing it my way. You guys are kind of just along for the ride a little bit. So free yourself from, yeah. fe- from feeling like these things went wrong. Yeah. It hasn't gone wrong. It's gone exactly the way God intended it to. Exactly. And that's that's what kind of drives us sometimes is thinking that, oh, the, these things are going so wrong and, and I'm going to, I've, I've got to stop it. I've got to fix it. I've got, and all we're trying to do in that, really, if we, if we look deeply inside ourselves, and I'm looking at myself when I say this, I'm not thinking or looking at anybody else about this, but when I, when I get so upset about the things that are going on around me and I'm frustrated with them and how they're happening, what I am trying to do is I am trying to be the king. Mm. I'm trying to solve the problem. I'm, I think so highly of myself for my ideas that I'm going to fix it with, with some incredible, I'm going to say something and the whole world's going to get on board with that. Really? Mm. I mean, it ain't happening. It is, it, it, man, arrogance is Ar- a big problem. Very arrogant. <laughs> we yes. all do that. We feel like, man, if people would just make the decisions mm-hmm. that I think they should, I know how to fix this stuff. It's like, we don't even know how to fix our own lives. Yes. How do we know how to fix the lives of all these other people. Mm-hmm. What a joke, right? Like yeah. that's part I think that's actually part of what God is doing yeah. is revealing this thing is broken beyond repair. Yeah. So the people you think should be in power, get in power, guess what? Things don't fix themselves. People you didn't want to get in power, get in power, guess what? Things didn't get fixed either. At the end of the day, when we all look back on this whole thing, we're going to be astonished how mm. futile our own human efforts were mm-hmm. to resolve our problem of sin. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to only just increase the glory of God. That'll be one of the things that we're singing about in heaven is all along how ridiculous we were to think that we could fix it and that we could control and well, make these decisions. And we're not acknowledging sin in the whole conversation. Like, they, yeah, sure, maybe you could fix it, but there's still sin. Mm-hmm. And so it's just going to get, it's just going to break again. Right. It's just going to get broke again. Like what we're trying to do oftentimes with a lot of the things that people are pushing for, that they want to see happen, that they're voting for their person or whatever. And we're talking about the King and politics right now, but we don't want to be, I just don't want to get into po- political stuff. It's, it's, it's tiring. But what we're trying to do ultimately is create heaven on earth mm-hmm. and it isn't going to be that way. Right. It isn't going to happen that way. He's going to come. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to fix all of the nonsense that's happening in our world. He's going to wipe away every tear. He is going to comfort those who are grieving, you know. Amen. It's it's like this is this is what he is going to accomplish, and we're trying to accomplish it through political means. It ain't gonna happen. It isn't. Right. He's gonna he can fix this world. He's gonna fix it. And so the whole creation groans waiting right. for their redemption, for its redemption. The sovereignty of God, that concept, which is I I hesitate to even call it a concept because it's mm-hmm. more of an attribute of God, really. Right. But that truth that God is sovereign overall. One of the things we have to also pair with that truth is the tr- other truth that God is good. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if he's just sovereign, but he's not a trustworthy God, that's that's a recipe for disaster. And so these two uh, doctrines go hand in hand. Not only that God is in control, but that He's good. Yep. His purposes and plans are mm-hmm. ultimately good. So a verse that came to our minds when we made our outline was Romans eight twenty eight. Many people have memorized this, and it's near and dear to us. We quote it all the time as believers which says that we know that for the, now listen, we know, no. we know that we're like underline the word. No, this is not, we think we <laughs> suspect, we hope we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Right now, this 
not only does it not say that you know we we think we hope it says that we know this is true the other thing it also doesn't say is all things are good some people wrongly hear this verse and think oh well then everything right. that happens to me is good all things are good it doesn't say all things are good it says that god works all things together for good in other words you may have situations that happen to you that are not good and even the bible would not call them good but god can use the good and the bad and work it together for ultimate good so i appreciate that distinction because it does highlight that when something bad happens to me, I don't necessarily have to have this smile on my face. Like, oh, something good has happened. You know, I lost my job today. You know, God is so, you know, this mm-hmm. is good. The Bible tells me. It's like, no, that was kind of bad. Mm-hmm. But he can use it and work it together with other circumstances to accomplish good. Mm-hmm. So whether circumstances are good or bad, the grand picture, the big scheme of what God is doing his, it reflects his character, which is his. Right. he loves you. I think Absolutely. that matters. We can't lose sight of his goodness in the midst of his sovereign control. No. And in Genesis 50, you see the story of Joseph and, uh, and, his, and his brothers. And, and in verse 20, uh, he's, you know, he's talking about that. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Um, this is really big picture concept. Yes. Because when you talk about good and you read that verse in Romans eight twenty eight, he he works all things together for good. But when you think of that word all, you're not thinking about what about the bad stuff that happens. Right. And here you see that he even uses the bad things that happen. Doesn't mean that he makes them happen that's not you know that's that's a really deep concept uh to even go into but understand this no matter what happens no matter how we view it because a lot of times we might view something as not good because my kids do this all the time right they view something that i tell them to do or make them do and they say that's not good yeah. in their mind they're, <laughs> that's not good i don't want to do that but god's uh but but god is or, or not god me I'm still thinking about their ultimate good. Yes, right. You, you know? see the big picture. But we don't think of it when, when we see evil, we're just like, oh, evil can't happen. We have to stop evil. It, it can never. And yeah, we should do what we can. But the fact is, is that what is meant for evil, God uses for good. And he can use that for good and ultimately fulfill his purposes in ways that we never thought of. So when we get upset about the evil and the injustice, sometimes it happens in our world, um, whatever it is, you know, like, I don't know, something to do with COVID or, or whatever, uh, new mandates they put in place or things like that. We look at that and we say, Oh, that's wrong. That's unjust. They shouldn't do, they can't do that. We don't know what the ultimate purpose that God has right. for that. Right. It may have nothing to do with COVID. I don't know. But right. I know that he's going to work it out for good. He's going to use it for good. He's going to turn it into something good because he is good. And he is in control of everything. And it may not look that way. It may not look that way even in my lifetime. Right. But I still know I, I have that confidence that he's going to use this for good. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, again, I don't have to lose my mind in my home under quarantine mm. over it. I, I know there's some good that's going to come from it. I really think that the word meant in this verse that you shared mm-hmm. is, is significant because mm-hmm. this is more than simply a mistake. Uh, yes. This is more than simply somebody made a choice in error that hurt you. This is saying, you meant to hurt me. Mm-hmm. You meant it. This wasn't like you accidentally slipped up. You did something that inadvertently hurt me. This is straight up. You tried to hurt me. Mm-hmm. You meant it for evil. And you think about the particular circumstances of this story. Joseph's talking here to his brothers. Mm-hmm. His brothers treated him like trash. I mean, they abused him, threw him in a well, Yep. then decided, <laughs> actually, maybe we should 
pull him out and sell him into slavery. Mm-hmm. And he gets taken to a foreign land. And even there, he's mistreated. And he, he makes the right choices in those situations mm-hmm. and still bears the brunt for things that he didn't even do. You could just imagine Joseph sitting in jail, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. looking at God, like, what are you doing to me, man? Mm-hmm. I've been trying to serve you. I haven't done anything wrong. I've been right. faithful. These people are out. They mean evil against me. Mm-hmm. And that's a human perspective, which might be very true. You meant it for evil. You had nefarious plans. But God meant it for good. Mm-hmm. He had a different agenda and a superior one, one that reigns over our human agendas. And he can control things. And, and just that's amazing to me that he had a plan and a purpose in even people's wickedness towards us. So that like the scope of his sovereignty, it just, the more you meditate on verses like this, it just keeps expanding because it's real easy to give God credit when something good happens, when somebody meant to bless you. Oh, it's easy to be like, thank you, God, you know, for somebody, you know, buying me some groceries or doing mm-hmm. something kind to me. It's really easy mm-hmm. to attribute that to God's plan. Mm-hmm. But when they were wicked towards you, they meant to hurt you. You can still say, I don't know what you're doing here, God, but you've got a plan and it's good. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. So one of the things I want to encourage our listeners is the stories of scripture where you actually, one thing that's cool about reading the Bible is you get to see the beginning of the story and the end of the story, mm-hmm. like in the life of Joseph. Right. And you can see how God used circumstances for greater good. Now, sometimes we don't have that vantage point in our own lives. We may still be in the season like Joseph when he was sitting in jail. Like the end story hasn't come yet. Mm -hmm. And even you alluded to, sometimes we will maybe never see it this side of heaven. We may may die still having not seen what God was doing for good. But we can trust because you can see in God's word. He's done it over and over and over and over again. And God's word, therefore, gives us the perspective we need in the midst of our circumstances to trust God and what he's doing in our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you talk about evil. And in this case, it was people who meant evil. Um, But you have our, our last verse that we have on our list is Acts 4, verses 27 to 28. It's really kind of the ultimate uh, sin perpetrated, talking about Jesus. And verse 27 says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That's, I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the hardest things to wrap your head around that God had predestined this all to happen. You, you thought you were, you thought you were doing, you know, whatever, uh, whatever you thought you were doing, you were, you were trying to, uh, protect people from this insurrectionist or you were trying to, uh, uh, stop Maybe. him because he was becoming too popular and taking away from your popularity whatever purposes you had whether they were right or wrong or good or bad which i think they mainly were bad you're still not going to go outside of the plan of god mm-hmm. i mean the cross is the ultimate example of god using evil for good yeah you cannot think of a better example it is actually literally impossible to think of a better example because the cross when you when you put to death the sinless son of god mm-hmm. there is no greater wickedness than that and when the son of god dies for the forgiveness of all sin and the purchase of your salvation you mm-hmm. can think of no greater good than that right so this is the ultimate example of God using circumstances that are bad to achieve good. Mm. You cannot think of a worse thing to do. You cannot think of a better result. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what you're facing, if it seems out of control, if it seems like it's 
like like God is punishing you. He's forgotten about you. He's lost control of the circumstances in our lives, whether that's personally or you're looking on a, a wider scale, like in our community or in our world. You got to look beyond the circumstances. And, mm. and one of the ways you can have this confidence is if God can do that with the cross, he can do that with anything. Mm-hmm. If he can do that with the greatest evil, he can do it with littler ones too. If he can achieve the greatest good out of that, then he can bring good out of anything. And that is a, uh, uh, you know, one of those rocks from scripture that we need to just plant our lives on mm-hmm. and meditate on and allow that to kind of stabilize us when things seem like they're getting out of control. Nothing's beyond God's control. Nothing is beyond his sovereign plan. Nothing is outside the bounds of his His goodness and him achieving the plans and purposes he has for those who love him and ultimately for uh, for all of us as well. So, you know, these are the kinds of things. Well, I'll just be, I'll speak for myself. I forget about them. You know, as yep. I, if you were just, if you were to just judge by my mood, yep. the things that I've said over the last year, yes, I am not leaning on the sovereignty of God. I have, I not that, that theological truth is in my head, but I have not let it sink to my heart. And I hope that reflecting on some of these passages of scripture will not only do that for me but do it for our listeners as well yeah i i think the one thought that comes to my mind when it comes to the sovereignty of god is that ultimately this is how god makes us depend on him you know whenever again whenever we get caught up in these kinds of arguments or concerns or you know we get overwhelmed with we think that the solution is somehow to uh, convince somebody else that, uh, you know, of, of our cause or, and, and all we tend to do is we can, tend to bring each other down. Um, and, and I, I'm guilty of that a lot because I get upset about things. And then I think for some reason that everybody wants to hear how frustrated I am with, with what's going on. When in reality, what I need to do is I need to begin to trust him and depend on him. This is why we pray. Mm. This is really why we pray. And that seems counterintuitive. Like some people right now are screaming at their phone saying, well, why would we ever pray? You know, if, if, if God's, God's already, in control, yeah. if he does everything, we pray because he has the power to do, to change, to make things happen. Like you, you talked about your faith background and your upbringing and um you know when you when you look at that they you don't realize it but the more you emphasize man's free will in everything uh, really the less reason you have to pray now you've got to work you got to work harder you got to do it better and i realize that's a very um simplistic way of looking at um at that side, let's say, I don't, I don't want to, you know, get us too far down that road, but so that's, that's fairly simplistic way of looking at it. People that believe that still believe in the sovereignty of God. Um, they just, uh, kind of, it seems like from my perspective anyways, they kind of pick and choose where that sovereign sovereignty applies and where it doesn't. Um, but the fact is, is that so much is riding on you and your ability to do it your ability to solve it. And then you, you don't, you're not casting all your cares upon him. You're not casting your burdens on him. And it oftentimes makes me wonder why, why do I pray if God doesn't affect change in these areas? I see it as God does as he wills. And my prayers are opportunities to call upon him, to ask him to do something like, is that mean he's going to listen? He's, he's in control. He's God. He's got a plan and a purpose. But I believe that if it fits his purpose, if it suits his purpose, if I'm aligned with his will, he does listen mm-hmm. and he does act. And there's far more power and comfort all at the same time in that for me than there is to think that I did something wrong or I didn't, you know, have enough faith or 
whatever the other excuses are for why God didn't act in a certain situation. I mean, we looked at a lot of verses. We looked at uh, we looked at these six, but I mean, even for this podcast, we were looking at verses about how God is is sovereign over our health. He's sovereign over uh, you know our our wh- whether we have food or not. You know, one of the things that makes me crazy is thinking about the things that are happening in COVID and um, and and what what's going to happen to the economy of our world and how much is a loaf of bread going to cost in a few years if this keeps up, if we have to keep locked down and all these things. And that stuff worries me. And then I remember he feeds the birds of the air. Mm. Like he cares about them. So why am I worried here? I, I know that God's got this. I know that that we're going to get through it. It, it doesn't, I, I don't know, it, it probably isn't going to end well, uh, you know, according to the book I read. Unless um, the Lord turns the it's heart of the exactly. king i don't know yeah. who knows maybe that uh as you say garden hose is going to get sprayed someplace else yeah, who knows <laughs> i i don't know the future but i know nope. who holds yes. the future yes and i trust in him yep and i know that he's working for our good he's working for the good of those who love him and ultimately if we can if we can grab a hold of the sovereignty of god as believers it gives us the ability to love our neighbor and sincerely because it doesn't matter what their position is on these things. Um, it gives us the uh, understanding that the things that are happening around us, it shouldn't, we, we shouldn't get caught up in those day-to-day issues that are happening but we need to stay focused on what is important. And that is reflecting his glory and his sovereignty for other people. This is how we can give them peace. Mm-hmm. I, I, find, I, I find myself very convicted about this concept because I don't spend a majority of my time giving people comfort and peace and giving them the strength and assurance of God's sovereignty by my complaints because when I complain when I get frustrated when I'm trying to solve problems on my own when I'm trying to debate when I'm doing all these things you sound just like everyone else I sound like everybody else I don't sound like somebody who's confident in a God that is in control in charge I'm not spreading peace love and joy among anybody I'm really stirring the pot with everybody else can't remember when we brought it up but the verse in second peter about always being prepared to give a defense for the reason for the hope that's in you Mm -hmm. in other words our lives should look like our hope is somewhere else right like the way we talk the way we behave the way we handle circumstances nobody's asking me that question yeah (laughs) we should be like craig why are you just skipping around joyful and hopeful Man, and we have the opportunity to say, "My hope is in the Lord." Right. And instead, we're like, no. oh, "Let me tell you, all yeah. that's wrong yes. in the world." Yes, it, we're we're robbing God of glory. Right. We're robbing ourselves of joy, and we're robbing the world of light. Absolutely. And that is uh, yep. something we need to correct. Yes. So, so if you feel like um, all of your struggles, all of your disappointments, all these things are, um that uh you know that what we're saying is uh, to all your problems and all your struggles and all the things you're angry with if you think that we're saying god is in control you'd be right <laughs> that is our answer god is in control that's right we don't want it to be cliche but uh we just want you to be free and i i think that's what this does is it brings us freedom it sets us free to uh, understand the things that are happening in our world and even gives us the opportunity to watch what's happening to look for opportunities to bring blessing and peace and comfort to others and so i hope this week that that's something that you will work toward uh pray about ask god to forgive you i know i'm going to be asking god to forgive me because i've missed out on many opportunities in the in the last year now it's a year we're almost up to a year in in covid 
and uh you know i i've i've gotten it wrong more than i've gotten it right and i just want to be able to get it right i want to be a blessing to people i want to bring them peace i, I want to bring joy back to our world even in the midst of everything that's going on and uh, i know that it's possible because my god is in control so until next week may god bless you um hopefully uses this in your life and uh to bring more joy and more peace and more hope to our world and until next week bye for now <laughs>